This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands is sponsored by Braven Audio. What's Braven Audio? It is an excellent, excellent company that started in Utah, is now based all over the world, bringing you high-quality portable audio. So you can listen to your music, your podcasts, everywhere you go. I have some Braven speakers. They're fucking awesome. They are really, really great. And I want to share their awesomeness with you because, obviously, if you listen to this podcast, it, it rubs off a bit, I think. Anyway, if you are interested in getting some new speakers or some new headphones or anything along that line, why don't you head over to braven.com.au. That's B-R-A-V-E-N.com.au. Pick out something you like and go to the checkout and use the promo code FRIENDS and get yourself 25% off. That's right. Go to braven.com.au. Go to the checkout once you're done. Use the promo code FRIENDS and you will get 25% off. Hey, it's Lachlan Watt here from Triple J, the internet, heavy metal. Huge congrats to DJY on 100 episodes of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands have been a part of the journey hey this is courtney barnett happy 100th episode to all my friends are in bar bands hey happy 100 episodes to all my friends are in bar bands this is rachel maria cox uh from sad girls club really really grateful that i could be a part of this podcast and here's to many many more episodes with many many more guests hey this is marcus whale Happy 100 episodes to all my friends who are in bar bands. Hey, it's Jeremy Neal here. Happy 100 episodes to all my friends are in bar bands. I always knew you could do it and you totally did it. So thank you and congratulations. Hey, it's Alex from Sweet Makes Waves. Happy 100 episodes to all my friends who are in bar bands. Here's to another 100 DJY. Thanks so much. Hey, Shane here from DZ Death Rays. Right now I'm watching Con Air and about to wish you a happy 100 episodes of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Cheers. This is Drew from Totally Unicorn with um, Aaron, I play drums. And uh, Leroy, I play guitar. Mize isn't here, he doesn't play anything. But I just want to say congrats on the 100th episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. We're in a bar right now, funnily enough, and there's no bands here. But if you'd have me on the show again, I hopefully will remember it this time. And, um, yeah, love you, bro. Love you too, buddy. Hey, it's Tomo from Camp Copia. Uh, happy 100 episodes to all my friends are in bar bands. DJY, you absolute bloody legend. See you at the next uh, air drumming show. Hello, this is Jack from Corpus, and congratulations to DJ Way for 100 episodes of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. We're so grateful to have known you and all the support that you've shown for us, so thank you so much. Hello, my name's Lindsay McDougall, and about, I don't know, a week ago, David James Young asked me to do a little vocal hello for his 100th episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. This is a guy that goes to a million gigs a year and has put together a hundred of these captivating episodes of this wonderful podcast, and still... I'm doing this vocal hello on the like last minute before he puts this thing together because I'm a bad friend. Very sorry, David James Young. I was going to like sing. I had like a band booked and everything, and I completely forgot and stuff. So congratulations for a hundred episodes of all my friends are in bar bands, and here's to at least a hundred more. Probably heaps more than that, you know. So nice one. Hi, 
I'm Tom Lincoln. Congratulations to DJY and all my friends are in bar bands for their 100th episode. That's a pretty bloody good effort. Hi, this is Will Wagner. Uh, congratulations, DJY, on reaching 100 episodes of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. That's a great milestone. They've all been good, and I look forward to listening to the next 100 and the next 100 after that. What on, mate. Hello, it's uh, Jack R. Riley here. I'm just wishing all my friends are in bar bands a very happy 100 episodes. Keep on trucking. I love you. Hey, I'm Spencer Scott. In episode 6 of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands, I played the role of singer-songwriter Spencer Scott. I just wanted to wish DJY a happy 100th episode, and thanks for including me in such an amazing podcast. Uru. Hello, this is Stevie from Clowns. Just want to send a huge congratulations to David James Young and all my friends who are in bar bands for making it to 100 episodes. Hey, it's Maz from Wax. Happy 100th episode to all my friends who are in bar bands. Hey, my name's Nath from bands like Sports Bra and Passing. And I want to wish, wish my dear friend, DJY, a happy 100 episodes on their wonderful podcast, All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. What a legend. Love you. Hi there, it's Chris Young, formerly of Jacob and currently the king of all content. I just wanted to wish David James Young a very happy 100th episode. You're an absolute legend, mate. I'm not just saying that because you're my brother. I'm saying that because I bloody well mean it. Have a top one, mate. I love you. Rat Rattler Theatre, please make some noise for All My Friends Are In Bar Bands, episode 100. Yeah! All right! Holy shit! Um, thank you all so, so, so much for being here. Uh, my name is David James Young, All My Friends Are In Bar Bands, that's the kind of deal we got going on here. All right, so I started doing this podcast in February of 2015, uh, and I've spoken to uh, a lot of my dear, dear close personal friends, and also been thrown in with people that I've never met before in my life and tried to keep some composure as I had the nerve to call them my friend, even though we'd only literally just met that day. So, you know, I'm, I'm using friends very, very liberally at this point, but look, I had no friends growing up, so I will take everything that I can get at this point. But uh, yes, it means the world to have you all here uh, to, yeah, do the 100th episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Band. So are you guys ready? <laughs> all right. Hi, everyone. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to three very good new and old uh, uh, mix of, of friends. Again, we're using the term very, very liberally at this point. Uh, my first guest is a wonderful singer-songwriter from all up and down the coast, uh, has toured here internationally, and is, yeah, still to this day has one of the most beautiful voices I have ever heard. Please welcome my friend, Thelma Plum. <laughs> Okay, uh, our second... Yes, please, take a seat. That's your microphone on your right. Wonderful. Other way. Yeah, the other right. There we go. We're in sync. We're, we're happening. It's all, it's all good. Uh, my next guest uh, you will know from Friends of Rom, the Neptune Power Federation, Chinese Burns Unit, literally down the road at the Pet Food Factory, Jason J. Wally. Yeah. 
And my final guest you will know from your childhood, ladies and gentlemen, the original Red Wiggle, Murray Cook. How are we today, guys? Very good. Fine, thank you, David. Very happy to hear. Oh, no. <laughs> the chair was a little lower than I expected. <laughs> We can we can accommodate we can we can swap you out for a different one if you like. That's fine. <laughs> We've been standing at the bar for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> it, might, it might not be the chair. Yeah. <laughs> just going to the sunken place. It's just like oh shit. <laughs> all right. So I begin all of these by talking about the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from maybe being something that you were listening to on the radio or watching on TV or something like that to being something where it was just like this is what I want to do. I want to sing. I want to play guitar. I want to be a musician. I want to be in a band, etc., etc. Um, Thel, we'll start with you. Um, where did your interest in music come from? Was that always kind of part of the household growing up? My my parents weren't musical, but um, my my mum was an avid music lover, and um, right. she that's I guess you know I was exposed to really great music when I was growing up, and uh, my mum would always make sure she took me to a lot of concerts from a really young age because I you know she just loved going to live music yeah. gigs. And what was your first? Um, oh, what was my first? Look, she's here now. What oh, was my oh, first? Oh yeah, mom's here. <laughs> I don't know if I could. The first. Isis, there you go. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look. right, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, remember when we took the kids yep. to see Isis? Oh, <laughs> memories. No, it's so disappointing because they were this incredible Brisbane band, Isis. They were, uh, I don't know, it was, they were around in the 90s. They were mm. this, like, just really hectic, like, fuck you feminist band that yeah. um, were very unapologetic. And mum, she was friends with them. But um, right. they 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 had this song. I remember I actually did my high school assignment on this with the help really? of my mum. Uh, they had a song called The Masturbation Song, which was, um, yeah. yeah, which was about how you don't need a man because... You know, you I can, can get the job out. done myself pretty right. damn well. So, Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we made a, uh, made a, a f- uh, for my film and TV subject, I made the film clip for that song uh, with my Barbie dolls. That is sick. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. It was wow, <laughs> that's incredible. That was great. <laughs> Jay, Jay, what about you, man? Um, so my parents <clears throat> had um, this thing where <clears throat> they had a pretty shitty record collection, to be honest. And, How bad are we talking? Um, but they had, well, it's kind of... It was like some really sort of um, mainstream folk sort of stuff. Right, right. But they had this thing where every time they had a dinner party, Dad would go out and buy the number one record. Right. And so because like I was a kid in the 80s, yeah. we, we had this really shit record collection, but then we'd have like Blondie, Talking Heads, yeah, um, like some actually pretty cool legitimate stuff. And then we, me and my two sisters were forced to do piano lessons. Um, which we hated, and then we had to pick another, like a concert instrument. Right. So I chose the saxophone. Nice. Mainly so I could um, stand on balconies with the <laughs> wind in my hair playing. Yeah, the, nice. Uh, Do Baker the solo Street. from Never Tear Us Apart. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> And then I guess my dad sort of played guitar a little bit, so we had a guitar in the house. Mm. Picked that up, taught myself a few chords. And then in my teenage years, I saw a group uh, called the Hard Ons. Yes. And, um, Wonderful band. And I looked at them and went, oh, fuck, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> they but definitely set the was, bar low, let's face it. Yeah, no, but, but there was something about um, something about the Hard Ons that's um, it's still, it's, it's sort of primal or something. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, 
and to me that that sort of changed my whole world and just the smell of the crowd and mm. the sweat and just oh. the, the sort of danger of it was it's, very exciting it's a certain a certain pungent nature to it isn't yeah, it yeah yeah <laughs> flaky with his shirt off yeah exactly bloody hell Murray what about you well, I'm considerably older than uh, the other guests here, and, and uh, so I grew up in the 60s, and um, uh, so the, the Beatles were on the radio, but I didn't kind of take that much notice at the time. But, right. And my parents didn't have records at all. We didn't. We had virtually nothing. We didn't have a record player. Yeah. Dad, Dad listened to the news on the radio, so I didn't hear a lot of music, mm. but we watched a lot of TV, and the monkeys were on the on TV. Yeah, of course. I, I was watching the, the monkeys and thinking... Guys playing the guitar, and this is yeah. the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I think probably around about then I decided that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, and then I kind of went back and discovered the Beatles and the Stones and all the sort of people of my my generation. And and um, but and then I pestered my parents to get get me a guitar when I was about eleven, and um, they did, and they bought me a fairly good Maiden guitar, which I still own. Oh wow! And um, and yeah, I had lessons and just went from there. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. Um. So. How do you feel like each of your respective like environments, like where you grew up, like uh, location wise, like was there much kind of like music surrounding like the area? Like were you able to go out to shows and stuff like that pretty early on? Uh, well, uh, did I? I just took that. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. It's an orderly cue. Yeah. <laughs> um, I well grew up in Brizzy um, yeah. for most of my life, and uh, so I guess. From what I said before, you know, my mum would take, and she also was friends with so many just great, I guess you had a lot of cool musician friends. And, um, so I, I would go to their shows when, from when I was at a very young age. So yeah. I guess I was surrounded by that for so long. But, mm. um, but also being, you know, when I was in high school, all I wanted to do, there was such a lack of all ages gigs, um, yeah. and under 18 gigs in uh, Brisbane, like everywhere, I guess, but really in Brisbane, there was like, mm. maybe like two a fucking year. It was yeah. ridiculous. So, and I remember really wanting to get a fake ID just so I could go to gigs as well. It was, oh, this is me probably telling my mum, just so I can go to gigs and no, <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's for research. Um, but, but I, but it was, it was a real bummer, but I guess, you know, uh, yeah, in high school was kind of, there was a lot of, once I possibly maybe got my hands on, um, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Yeah, I do know. Who knows? (laughs) You know, you can make your, choose your own ending, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, but there was lots of really great music when I was in high school in Brizzy. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, what about you? So yeah, my mum was a teacher at a private school up on the North Shore. So we, we we sort of spent our our formative years up there and there wasn't a lot. I guess the St. Ives Fitz Cafe had, um, sort of all ages stuff. Mm. Um, we had the cockroaches. That was the, um, that was the prize. Yeah. That was actually your the, mates. I've, I've heard yeah. of them. Yeah. That was the that was the prize um, when we won the band competition. My high school band won the band competition. The prize was Whoa. we got to play with the, with cockroaches, the cockroaches at the same venue. But they were on the real downslide of the cockroaches' <laughs> lives, you know. And it was pre pre Wiggles, so they were just depressed and oh. you know. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the first actual concert that I went to around that time would have been, and probably you might be the only person that remembers this guy, but Howard Jones on his um, 
Dream Into Action tour at the Horton Pavilion. Nice. It's very exciting. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, not not a lot going on. I mean, we yeah. always, when we were up there, we moved to Balmain when I was about 14 and right. that my world's have opened up because there was a lot, there was a lot more sort of happening around in the, in town. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think we always had an idea that, oh yeah, well, let's get to the city and mm. once we get to the city, there's going to yeah. be like stuff. Big city dreaming. Yeah, exactly. Things. Yeah. Whereabouts did you grow up, Murray? I grew up mostly in Orange in um, New South oh, Wales. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, so country New South Wales. Um, and there wasn't a lot happening, but a lot of bands, the first band I ever saw was Sherbet. Oh, nice. Um, which was, you know, Daryl Braithwaite. Um, Great man. And, uh, and then there were other bands, Hush. I saw ACDC with Bon Scott came, came to Orange. And, oh, wow. Um, so it didn't, there wasn't a lot, but the stuff that did come was yeah, mostly pretty good. Yeah, uh, and they, and everything was all ages there. They, they didn't play in the pubs; they just played in a, a local hall. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was kind of good. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I moved to Sydney with my family when I was sixteen, and same as, as you're saying, this kind of idea when you get to, to yeah, the, the yeah. city, Up it's the all happening. Smoke, yeah, it kind of was because this was in the late seventies. The whole sort of music scene changed quite a lot when punk hit, and and, yeah. and then there were just gigs everywhere, and bands were playing, every, and everyone went. That's what mm. everyone did. Everyone went to see bands. Like at school, um, you know, sort of when I was in my late teens, um, everyone just said, "What are you, you know, what are you seeing this weekend?" Every, that's yeah. what that just everyone not are you seeing anything? What are no, you no, seeing? yeah, and and you know there was all like it was all the big sort of pub rock bands like Cold Chisel and uh, Midnight Oil and all those bands were playing like. Yeah. Five six nights a week, amazing. Yeah, and then you know lots of great sort of weird punk bands like the Thought Criminals and, mm. and Tactics and all all these sort of weird um, great bands. Yeah, so, so it was a, it was a pretty good time. But but yeah, in Orange it was yeah it was all Sherbet and Hush. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Okay, first time you ever performed live in public. Where were you? How old are you? What do you remember about it? I, my God, me, look, lucky you came, mum. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's um, finding it hard to remember. Um, but uh, I guess the first time probably I, um, fuck, it would have been at some shitty cafe probably. Yeah. But maybe the first time I remember properly playing a show would have been at uh, like X and Y bar. It was I think that would have been one of the first times that I played. Because um, I would do lots of, me and my friends would organise lots of gigs so that we could play and book ourselves. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. But the first time I played at a proper venue was X and Y in Brisbane, and uh, and I was not, I was underage, and I remember. Well, they um, didn't know that. No, they did. They <laughs> oh. said they did. I know. I was like, who? Because I've looked like I was this age since I was about nine years old. So, um, <laughs> so as a lot of the time, it wouldn't be a problem. But it was at X and Y, and uh, and this place, I actually, if I did have that fake ID, definitely was never would work in X and Y. So yeah. I was like, oh, anyway. <laughs> We'll just try luck. They That's surely right. won't say anything. Because yeah. they used to kick me out right after, which I hated. Because I wanted oh, to make friends with the other bands that I was supporting. And I wanted to. But I'd have to leave straight away. And I had to bring my parents as well. And um, I just remember them being like, to my mum, questioning, holding my mum up and being like, are you going to be buying her drinks? And my mum's like, <laughs> um... Yeah, no, she wasn't. Yeah, she was like, oh, no, she wasn't. She was like, I'm her mum. No, I'm not. And I just that, thought that was really funny. And then as soon as I finished my gig, they were like, I really wanted to watch the support, the next support band, but they were like, all right, time to leave now. Oh, brutal. Yeah, it was super brutal. <laughs> but it was a, but it was a really good show. I reckon there were about probably six people there watching me. Wait. And I had the best snort of my life. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you at that point? Uh, I think I was 16 then. Yeah, yeah. sweet, sweet. Yeah. Jay, well, what about you? Um, I remember being eight and playing, eight? playing Holy hell. A piano in a, in a, like a Stedford sort nice, of thing. Nice, nice. Oh, great. Um, and I remember getting halfway through 
the performance and completely losing my mind and just not knowing what was next and not being able to rectify it or come back as an eight-year-old. And that still gives me anxiety today. (laughs) I was going to say, I have dreams. My friends all said they're going to roll out a baby grand. It's just like, oh, fuck, not again. That's that's no, kind of true. I have I'm I'm permanently scarred from that one experience for my entire performing life. And it, it doesn't matter now if I if I play on stage in front of twenty thousand people or eight people. Yeah, I'm fucking terrified. Yeah, like, that's kind of one of the mu- musicians' anxiety dreams too. You either don't yeah. know the songs or yeah. or or you or or you're just about to do the gig and you can't find your guitar or yeah, the, yeah. or one I of your bandmates is asleep. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's like doesn't show yeah. up. <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, he's not a, asleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like quiet worse. for two days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's it's the it's the fellow. The anxiety stems from this possibility. Like everyone's like, "Oh, friends, you played like a thousand gigs. Don't worry about it." Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What are you doing? You know, it's easy. Just just mm. go do what you do, whatever. But in my mind, I I know when I was eight that it can be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> There is a possibility that yeah. it will haunt you. <laughs> okay. All right, Murray, where where were you? How old were you? I think um well I I was apart from like preschool concerts or stuff like that. I think I was um uh my primary school did a um a production of Fiddler on the Roof. Hey. When I was in like fifth class mm. and I just think those poor parents they had to turn up to those things. Right? Can you imagine yeah, a bunch yeah. of like 11-year-olds performing <laughs> Fiddler on the roof, <laughs> unbroken voices, and yeah, I think it was pretty bad, but um, but we thought we were great. Oh, what yeah. was your role? I was Mottle the tailor. Oh, nice! Yes. I had to sing. Was it Sunrise Sunset? I think. Oh, or... yeah, Sunrise Sunset, of course. No, no, Wonder of Wonder, Miracle of Miracles. <laughs> yeah, the right. other guy from yeah. my podcast is and here. I think He's a were... mad, mad <laughs> musical expert. I think <laughs> there were notes I couldn't hit too. So. <laughs> Oh, fantastic! Like as you mentioned, Thel, you you started out pretty early on. Like, um, was there was there kind of a moment where you realized that you know there was people more and more people kind of interested in what you're doing, and there was at least some degree of a of a following, so to speak. Like, was it kind of a very gradual thing, or was it just kind of like a boom? Suddenly, there are people at shows after there being no people for years. Um, yeah, it was definitely the second one. I had, because uh, I was unearthed, um, yeah. and that was, I'd just finished grade 12 in high right. school, um, which was pretty fucking lucky because I was had finished school, and mm. I, I really, all I wanted to do was music. I, yeah. I just knew that, you know, and I was playing lots of, I was playing as many gigs as I could, and, you know, but... Uh, uh, yeah, it's just that's just I just the stone I didn't the have yeah. there was nothing else there was no other way it was going to go I don't know I'm not really good at many other things maybe I could be like someone that's really nice to dogs professionally yeah. I don't know <laughs> like yeah yeah, yeah. so that's kind of it but um but I I do remember playing a show I reckon it was in Adelaide yeah and I remember being I can't remember the venue the what the venue was called, but it's such a beautiful venue. I'll remember it by the time we finish this. Um, we'll put but, it in post. But I played I played there and I remember playing the song that was unearthed, which was called Father Said and yeah. and um standing on stage alone playing guitar, finger picking my guitar and thinking that something was going wrong and looking at my sound guy like, What are you doing? Like yeah. thinking <laughs> that something's going wrong with the sound or it's you know, like because it, it was echo, it was really like it was something it was I felt like everything was delayed and then I just realised that that people were just singing really out of time, but <laughs> that people were just singing my words, and they it was singing at all. Yeah. It was, and it was a real moment. And I, I did, I stuffed up. I was because I was like 
trying to figure out what was going on and why I was having such a hard time singing. And Mm. then when I realized, I was like, oh, fuck, this is pretty hectic and kind of stopped and, you know, fumbled my fingers and stuffed up a bit and then composed myself. And then after the song, you know, told them how much that just how great that felt but oh, but that was yeah so i do remember that time for yeah, sure absolutely um jay what can you tell us about kind of some of the bands that you were kicking around in before frenzel took off like were you in bands through high school and all that sort of stuff yeah those are some pretty great bands to be oh, honest look out. here we go here we go uh, the highlight reel i was 13 we had yz w-h-y-z-e-d yeah i remember Hell yes spell it we did uh, we did a lot of um, sort of Rolling Stones covers, sick. Um, bit of Deep Purple, mm-hmm. bit of Led Zeppelin. Then we moved into a band called Vivid, named after the Living Color album. Mm. Mm. Don't pretend that's cool. <laughs> Wasn't even cool then, actually. Um, Cult of personalities are banging out. And then we, uh, yeah, I guess, I, yeah. When as soon as I left school, I started Frenzel. So yeah, I remember when we first started. We'd sort of play in a lot of um, sort of squat type places around town, mm. a lot of warehouse sort of places. And we were always sort of shunned a little bit from the punk sort of community because it was a lot more exclusive back then. Mm. Like now these days, it's a bit more inclusive, I think. There's a lot yeah. more mixed bills and stuff. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. then, if you weren't wearing the right crass patch, you were sort of right. shunned. Yeah. Or, <laughs> it's or like, yeah, name three too, of their albums, yeah. Too melodic or whatever, then you're like, oh, I don't like that. No, no, bloody fuck fucking fine, poser. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so we just did that for a while, and then we had this weird break where we we um, we had sent a demo tape to the Hopetown Hotel. Sure, yeah. And uh, they had put one of our songs, You Only Like Me When You're Stoned, mm. um, on their answering machine where for <laughs> that people would ring for the number to book bands, like to yeah. get bands. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. a lot of bookers would ring, and they go, oh, who's that? And, um, and so they would they sort of heard the song, and then we started getting shows from that. And, um, what a and world! Then, answering yeah, machines. from an answering machine message, and then and much then better than Triple J play. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the equivalent of Unearth back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we um we started to we started to pull like I don't know like sixty people. We'd just call all our friends. Yeah. Way before internet, we'd like a lot of phone calls at every show. We'd be ringing everyone up. Going, come on, come on. Yeah, creating a bit of a social sort of scene around mm-hmm. the band. Then we got on the big day out early on one of the stages, and it was pure luck that there was no one else really particularly on the other stage. So we had like yeah. eight thousand people there at this stage. Bloody hell! And we we're well, that's my that's what I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're playing at the Vulcan next weekend, which is this. Tiny pub on Waddle Street. I've yeah. played there. Which like there you capacity go. is <laughs> And there was just, yeah, like we must have played good or whatever because there was just this queue of random suburban normal people around the block. Wow. Like, yeah, right. we just never seen before. Like up to Huge. then, there was just like, just well, people that we sort of knew or people that were friends of friends. And mm. yeah, all of a sudden there was like actual just normal people. Crazy. Like, yeah. And then all the people that like were at the shows were like fucking poses. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, where were you last yeah. year? <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, Murray. Um, yeah, most people know the story of the cockroaches. Did you have any kind of cockroach adjacent uh, stuff happening? Like, what was what were you kind of doing uh, pre pre Wiggles? Uh, yeah, I did. I, I had bands in the eighties. Yeah. Um, well, we started in the late seventies with some guys I went to school with, and uh, we had a band called the Transistors, which was a very late seventies kind of 
name, yeah. Um, everything had to be there, like somethings, them, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and we, we, it was an era when, when it was pretty easy to get gigs. We were pretty mm. terrible, but it didn't matter. Like, just every <laughs> pub had, had bands on. So, yeah. um, so we, yeah, we got quite a lot of gigs and, and we did that for a while and then that broke up and we formed another band called the Finger Guns. And, um, that's prophetic. Yeah, oh I my know. God. <laughs> it never occurred to me till years later. It's like, wait I know. a How minute. How stupid am I? Yeah, I know. Exactly. And, and we did, yeah, we did a lot of stuff, but we never, yeah. we did a couple of records and, um, never really got anywhere. And then I decided, well, music's not going to be the thing for me. Yeah. And, and basically gave it away and, and went to university and did early childhood teaching. That's where I met Anthony. Um, right. From the Wiggles, and um, and we started playing music, and then when we finished, we we were teaching. I was a preschool teacher. Yeah, and we started. Uh, we put an album out, and it kind of just went from there. You're crazy. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it was that thing where we, when once I decided that music wasn't the thing for me, that was uh, that's where I went. Yeah, so. unreal, unreal. All right, let's talk about first uh, proper touring experiences, like where you first, you know got out of your comfort zones and kind of left your your home city area properly for the first time. Thel, what do you remember about going out on tour for the first time? Uh, my first tour, I had... Look, if I'm going to be honest, my first... I remember my first tour and I was... I had thrush for most of the tour. Uh, and it was it was a horrible... If you're a woman, you probably experience something like this in your life. It's not that scary. Um, but it was uh, my first tour ever with Bob Evans and I was so sick and it was so awful and I couldn't drink any beer because you're not meant to have yeast. So uh, I had a very boring... Uh, and sober tour, which was for new, freshly turned eighteen, Thelma. Yeah, not like, oh. what I wanted to happen. Uh, so, but look, it was. I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was. He, I've loved Bob Evans since yeah, I was. Legend, he's yeah. incredible, and I've just been such a fan since in Jebediah when I was in school. Yeah, of course. Was so big, and um, that was just so wild to be able to do that, and and. Uh, Oh, he was just so nice, and mm. we had such a good tour. Most of the, t- besides me being deathly ill, which I yeah. wasn't, I just have like a really bad man. <laughs> it just flu. feels like it at the time. It does. Like, oh, I get everything that happens. Worse, I'm yeah. like, this is, I'm dying. <laughs> um, and it probably said from my mum being like, every time I say that I have a cold, she's like, you know, you probably could have pneumonia, and I think <laughs> you should go to the hospital. And I'm like, no, I think I'm all right. Um, but anyway, uh, I, it was an awesome tour. Kev was just so wild. We had, um, the shows were just, was the first time I guess that I noticed, you know, being a, like being a supporting someone and seeing the process of playing, uh, you know, to an audience that I guess is quite palatable for you and, and kind of seeing, you know, I don't want to sound conceited, but when I was playing, you know, I could see that I was like, I could see people going from being like, Oh, who's this girl? Like, I don't know. I've never heard yeah, of this like girl kind before. Of the arms, yeah. yeah to then being there, like, yeah. Oh, you know, we kind of like this and then hanging around to say hello. And then I'd play my next show and then I, you know, I would see those same, the same people, people yeah. that were the show, which I thought, I think that's pretty incredible to, it's just like, it's a journey and it's, yeah. and I remember so many gigs when I was still now, but when I was younger that I would go to and I would get there, uh, you know, way before the support, first support started because I yeah. wanted to watch every single band play and, and then watching 
seeing that band and seeing and you know falling in love with that band yeah. and that process of me as a fan falling in love with that band and then going to their next show and yeah then, yeah of course you know then they get some sick supports and it's just like circle this big yeah it is the circle of life indeed yes <laughs> so I'm really glad I told you guys all that story about me getting thrashed so good chat and um, <laughs> that is on the on record to the next person now <laughs> we can put that on Wikipedia now with a little source and everything it'll be great <laughs> oh. <laughs> Darling. Jay, uh, what was the first frontal tour like? I had hemorrhoids. So, hey! Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you so much! Oh, it's, not a, it's not a race! <laughs> this is not a competition! Spares <laughs> a 12-seater, very hard seat. Oh, jeez! Um, we actually, our very first tour, we had a show in... Um, in Lismore, and it was the very first time that we'd ever left Sydney as a group. Right. And um, and we had it at the I think the Tattersalls Hotel in Lismore, and we even we were so excited to go that we we even put a sign in the window of this twelve seater saying on tour. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's amazing. I know, it's like just were, married. We were, <laughs> we were very excited. We had just put out this record called Dick Sandwich, and the yeah. and the um. The, the poster art that our manager had dutifully sent to all the venues was this cartoon drawing of this guy eating a sandwich full of severed penises yeah. because, you know... Lovely. We're one for nuance in Friends of the Yeah, yeah. Mwah. And, uh, and so we get to the venue and we're all so excited and this woman came out and she goes, what do you call this? <laughs> holding up the poster <laughs> like this. And I was like, oh, it's our, it's our tour poster. And she had had it up in the window of the pub without looking at it until, until that day. Until that day. So she felt like we had sort of hoodwinked her in some way into putting this thing up in her window. And she just goes, you're not playing. I was like, are you serious? What? We just drew it. And we were so excited, yeah, in Lismore. And um, we were like, fuck you. Like, what are we going <laughs> to do? As you anyway. would be, yeah. But, it's um, a long drive. And then, yeah. a, no, so, yeah, so a friend of ours who'd, uh, who lived in Federal came down and we went out to her place and played at her, her house with the four people that had come to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then um, and then next day was Toowoomba. Won't go through the whole tour, but mm. next day was next day was Toowoomba. It just gets worse and worse. I don't remember that shot. because when we turned up, the guy said, um, "The publican goes, if you want to fight, go to the front bar. If you don't want to fight, just go into where you're playing, and after you finish, just go home." That's it. It's like, uh, oh shit! All right. Glad you've given the option. Then, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was it was like the Wild West. Like it was literally like people being thrown headfirst out the saloon doors. It was rough as guts. Yeah. But there was all these people that came out of the woodwork. All these sort of gothy sort of punks sort of came out of the woodwork and you yeah, know, sort of sheepishly came through the side door. And, mm. You know, Amazing. Very exciting. Murray, how many fights were going down at the first yeah, Wiggles tour? I was just tour? thinking that, yeah. <laughs> not, not, not just any involving us. There's a lot of out in the car park, you know. Sometimes the mums would fight. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we did have some shows where, because we just let the audience in. Yeah. We were playing at a club, or, yeah, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. leagues club or something, and, and sometimes the mums would be um, queued up with their kids and they would fight over who sat at the front. Uh, we didn't usually see it, but we heard we heard tell we heard stories. <laughs> but um, now the first time we went out for for a few years, actually, we we went out. We had no crew; it was just the four of us. Yeah, in a Tarago with a trailer, with the PA and the costumes. We only had was it was pre Captain Feathersword and Wags the Dog. Oh yeah. So it was just Dorothy, I think, and um, 
and that was who me. Was, who was doing that out of the four? That, of you? Was, that, that was, was you. Yeah, yeah, right. So Dorothy was considerably taller. I'm six foot four. Yeah. And I was just had an epiphany. It's just like, oh my god. Uh, only early on, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I would hope a little more masculine than, yeah. than she became. But wait, um, had had you assigned the colours? Because I remember that first record when it was the five of you was just yeah. random coloured. Yeah. Um, shirt. shirts, those yeah. very, very loud shirts. Go back and look at the very yeah. first Wiggles album yeah. cover. I, it's primo. Actually, mine was not that different to this one. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> except it was red. But, um, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. By the time we started doing shows, we we um, we decided on the skivvies, and and it, and it was partly because of that. Because you know, when you're on tour, you've got to. Um, y- 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 there's not always opportunities to to launder your clothes, so um, mm. so we could have like many different. Um, Coloured skivvies, yeah. But, but finding those same shirts in in various um, uh, permutations was a lot harder. So yeah, yeah, we did. We had the skivvies, and um, but yeah, we we just we'd set the PAA, PAA up ourselves, and yeah, um, and DIY operation. Yeah, yeah. and and the promoters, we, we had this thing where we, we'd go out into the country, and and um, the local playgroup association or a preschool would actually promote the shows. So yeah. so we didn't have like. Rock, rock promoters, yeah. they like mums and dads, and and, uh, and they would get a cut of the tickets, and and uh, and, and it was just word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, for the first few years, it was only people who had kids who knew who we were. Yeah. And and sometimes you people would say, "What do you? What is this that you do?" And trying to explain it was really quite yeah, difficult. yeah. <laughs> so, so we got a pirate, we got a we got a <laughs> dinosaur, we got a yeah. dog, and then we got to the point where I'd say to people, oh, "I'm I'm a children's entertainer." I'm entertainer. I'm in this group, and they, then we got to a p- the point where they'd say, "Oh, what? Like the Wiggles?" And say, so, "Well, actually, it is the Wiggles." Yeah, it literally like, oh. is. Yeah. So they wouldn't recognise me, but they'd heard of the Wiggles. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine the kids just calling up on the answering machine. They just hear "Get Ready, Wiggles." Like, what was that? Yeah, when they ring, <laughs> we're gonna book those guys. When they ring the Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have loved to have seen those those eighteen plus pub shows, those Wiggles shows. That looked ridiculous. Yeah, we did. Um, we did two in Sydney and one in Melbourne. We, we'll probably do some more. Yeah, um, yeah. So if you don't know what, <laughs> that it, was it, excited. It was... I think you got a support act right yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we just, if you don't know, we we just played. We just yeah, friends. Like oh yeah, this is the lineup. This is the lineup for the show. Hell yeah, good actually. <laughs> hey, like how about how about you? What's play a child friendly version of Cunt Act? <laughs> I don't think there is one. <laughs> we, we could play your songs and you could play ours. Yeah. <laughs> no, Actually, we could call not. it Can't Act about yeah. oh. a whole bunch of terrible actors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty oh. much the Wiggles. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, there's this archetypal, like, you know, classic cliche thing of, like, when you're a musician starting out and, you know, you kind of build it up to, like, you get to a certain point where you, you know, play a big show or you, you get a big opportunity or something like that. And it's like this made it moment where, you know, for whatever reason, you think that's the the point which is like, oh, you know, it's kind of like, it's come to this point. Like, I've made it as, you know, in, in some way, shape or form. Like, I want to know what that was like for, for each of you. If there was a particular moment where maybe you got a really big show or you got to play somewhere you never thought you'd play growing up or anything like that or even being somewhere where you, you never thought you'd get to travel to and perform in, etc. Like, if there was a, uh, a made it moment for any of you in particular, Phil? Uh, you know, I 
Into the mic, love. I uh, <laughs> me thinking like, oh, hello, so hello. many times I've made it <laughs> in my mind though because <laughs> well, I well, my brilliant career, <laughs> my Thelma Plum. <laughs> no, but so many times that things happen to me all the time. I'm like, this is so exciting. This is insane. I always yeah. have to um, pinch myself and kind of be like, oh, just you know, take this moment in. I do this thing where I, I take a photo with my mind. It's gross. Yeah. Like, just in case you guys ever want to use that one. <laughs> um, but uh, all the time, I reckon probably when I was unearthed and when I got to play at the National Indigenous Music Awards yeah, in Darwin, that yeah, was yeah, yeah. just wild for me. I'd not ever played, you know, I played lots of gigs by myself and I played by myself and I played lots of um, shows at, you know, bars and cafes and things like that and friends' houses, but I'd never, ever thought I'd be, you know, playing somewhere where I was on the TV and there was so many, there was such a big stage and there were so many people and I got mm. to perform with, um, you know, one of my favourite artists, Uncle Bunna Laurie and all of these just really incredible people that w- it was just so special and um, so that was probably the first moment and then honestly like being in things like these, getting to sit next to you two who, you know, <laughs> I've like from my childhood too, very prominent in different ways, which is so funny, but you know, cause <laughs> I love the Wiggles and mum loved Friends with Rum. So, um, and I loved Friends with Rum because I would was exposed to it so much and, um, you know, but it's stuff like this, like all the time. I'm just like, what are you doing, Thelma? This is your <laughs> life. Like, you, you know, you don't live in Brisbane anymore, do you? No. Like it's. <laughs> <laughs> Not in Kansas anymore, yeah, Toto. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, I just wanted to comment no. on that. I think that's really wonderful if you can maintain that because I think it's really important. I mean, in the Wiggles, we did some pretty amazing things, but we were always yeah. really good at just um, keeping our feet on the ground and, and, yeah. and, and appreciating it. And, and there are moments where you pinch yourself and it can be a small thing or it can be a big thing. And it's, um, I think it's really important when you're doing something like we do, because we're very privileged to be able to do this. And yeah. um, I think it's um, yeah, it's really important to, to um, keep that in in mind that this is pretty amazing and not get jaded. And it's, yeah. It's, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. Um, pretty sure it's my go, mate. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, oh, I was trying to think of a comeback. I didn't have one. Podcast. Great. Mate, front bar. <laughs> 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 I know, being bashed by a wiggle wouldn't be great. Punched by a wiggle, the title of your autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> just you on the front, it's just like holding a black eye. It's like, oh, not yeah. again. <laughs> I was offered $30 off a $60 pair of clippers at Harvey Norman's. Whoa. By this dude, he's like, don't worry about this, mate, I gotcha. Oh, just because he recognised you, that's mate. sick. Frenzel fucking sick. That's though. amazing. Sick. Yeah, yeah, we call it the Frenzel Rom discount. Like, <laughs> I mean, little, like I was at the airport once and um, and there was this massive queue for the airport bar and this hand came through the bar, mm. from the bar, yeah. from behind the bar, just like with a full beer, like through the crowd. What? Like, oh, it's my, oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, so the funny, good. Well, so it's good when. So I don't know. I'll try and keep this quick, but um, <laughs> but I, I had a I had a parasite in my brain ah, yes. from a from a worm from in worm. Central America, from a pig. Anyway, weird story. But anyway, one of the one of the 
neuro, the surgery team that operated on my brain when I had brain surgery to take it out yeah. was a Frenzel fan. And I'm like, get away from my uh-huh. <laughs> I know you people and I don't <laughs> want you with a knife yeah. near my head. Never had so much <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah. So, so, no, nah, it's fine, mate. You're fine. <laughs> And he actually came to out with the first show we played back in Sydney. He yeah. came to the show and stage dived. I'm like, <laughs> Probably needed doing, stitches dude? himself. He's just like, oh, the uh, irony. Maniac. Anyway, but I did feel quite good that someone that was a Frenzel fan had turned out so educated. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I've also, I have also been at Taylor Square when a window washer's come up. And like, I've gone like, oh, no, it's cool, mate. And then he washes it anyway. So I look for my two bucks and I get the two bucks and wind the window. And he was looking in pretty bad shape. Like he had sort of a few mm. ice sort of yeah, sores on yeah, his face yeah. and stuff. And I went out the window to give him the two bucks. And he was like, no way, mate. Your band changed my life. Hey! <laughs> so like, dude, what, what oh. were you before? Like a lawyer sitting on a yacht? <laughs> like sipping champagne. Real bitches to rags story, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm just going to listen to Russell Crowe's band. Hey! <laughs> and also, just to finish, my mum, the moment that I made it for my mum yeah. was that we were a clue in the Sydney Morning Herald crossword. What? Hey! Look out! She was like, you do real- I was like, you do realise I've been touring like for 25 yeah. years. <laughs> Whatever, mate. Um- <laughs> oh, that's gold. That's gold. Was there any kind of particular moment for you, like, I guess, like, maybe, like, ascending to arena status or, you know, touring the U.S. for the first time or anything like that for you, Murray? Yeah, I mean, we, when we first went to the U.S., we, we didn't really expect anything to happen. We just yeah. we just did it for the adventure, which is mm. what, what we did for most things. And we we played in L.A. at a in a blockbuster car park, so blockbuster Whoa. video store, and there were three people there. So <laughs> we thought that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> we were playing That's to like punk. we were playing to sort of arenas yeah. in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> we and uh, I mean it built up, and it, I mean, yeah, I mean things like we did the um, Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York. That was a yeah, real pinch wow. me moment because it's it's kind of you you like going down Broadway on a float waving to people. Yeah. There's a little voice. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And this little voice in your head's going, holy shit, what are we doing here? Yeah. (laughs) And it's just, yeah, that stuff's really bizarre. And um, and sometimes, yeah, there were lots of times when you just think, kind of, how did I get here? Yeah. yeah, you know, you know how it, you did, but it's it's just, it was just weird. But yeah, yeah. But sometimes just those little things, like just playing to a small group, or when we first played to, in preschools and there were just twenty people there, it was yeah, it was it was great. You know? Yeah, we just loved it all. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, obviously all of you have been. Performing I mean, Madison there. Square Garden was oh, pretty fuck. cool. But Dad, uh, there we go. The, end. the other shoe has dropped, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I played the most famous place in the world. <laughs> just no, it's a casual. Just just slide it in there, I reckon. <laughs> oh dear. And I did fall off the stage at the Hammersmith Apollo, which what? was um, okay. We need like to if you got to fall off the stage, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't what, fall on anyone, which was what, probably what just was as well. What was the story there? What, oh, it's just we we oh, you're we, in the clash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was jumping off to stop a flight. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just getting off the stage. We sometimes go out into the audience, and my there was like a little lip on the stage, and I just fucking face planted. Fortunately, when you're in the wiggles, your your sort of embarrassment threshold's pretty high. <laughs> so I just you know, got up, brushed myself off, and it's going, "Are you all right? Yeah, yeah." All right. <laughs> 
It's a nice big dash down the front. It's just like, hey, it matches the skivvy at least. <laughs> so yeah, all of you have been yeah performing like at a like a high profile level for you know varying degrees of years, but you've all been doing it a fair while now. And I, I guess yeah, one of the last things I want to kind of ask each of you is like, is there one thing about performing, touring, being a musician, etc., that you know now that you wish you had known when you were first starting to get into performing live and, and touring and, and playing music, etc.? Oh, something I could know now. Oh, maybe like when someone asks me if I'm whose girlfriend I am or uh, whose manager I am. Yeah. Um, which also like, do I look like a fucking manager? Like, <laughs> I can't manage myself. But there's like no way I could, but, um, so, you know, probably you could be someone who's wanting to speak to the manager. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I could be that. I, and I am that woman sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've, I don't, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. Um, hell no. Why would you be? Uh, look, um, yeah, that's, I would definitely say, I don't know, I think I've, I'm such a sensitive person, such a sensitive soul, but, um, but I think I would just remind myself, you know, not to take everything to heart and, you know, I guess maybe I would have tried to thicken my skin up a little bit earlier, um, but, uh, yeah, just probably stuff like that and just, yeah. or just like, I don't know, take care of yourself on tour, because something I I always I always get quite I love going on tour but then when tour finishes I always get very depressed and I yeah. um which is I think a very normal thing to do. For yeah. anyone though when you go and do something that you know you go on a holiday or you're on a high not that it's a holiday at all but you know you're going and you're doing something consistently and then you go back to your you go back home and you're like, and you know all of a sudden I'm alone again and I'm like oh I go from you know playing a room where people want to you know to then, yeah, being in my own room and I'm alone and I, and it's, it's, it's very, um, I don't know, it can be a very confronting feeling, I think, when I didn't understand what, why that was happening and yeah. where that came from. So I think just like take care of yourself and mm. on tour and be kind to yourself and just make sure you surround yourself with like, I think if I could have known to not surround myself with such dickheads really (laughs) i wish i would have known that yeah Yeah. because that really makes a huge difference to your life outside if you're around those sort of people when you're touring and when you're like doing music and then you know i would go back to my normal life with my you know nice friends and nice people and it's just also confusing so (laughs) just say bye to those people early on yeah yeah to the curb Yeah, I lasted years and years with dipshits. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you're the only original member of Friends. Correct. <laughs> Gone. Good riddance. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's you're right. Like it's the it's the relationships. Like yeah, I wish that I'd known that. Like yeah, maintaining good relationships and pissing off bad relationships. Yeah. Like because at the end of the day, when it's all when you're doing nothing and we're all working at the IGA, yeah. like oh, there's anything wrong with that? Yeah. But like, or washing um, windows. Yeah, well, um, you know, you, you, the, all you've got is the memories and the relationships, yeah. you know, because none of, all the rest of it's kind of rubbish. Yeah. So, yeah, if you don't sort of maintain those relationships, then it's kind of, yeah, it's for nothing. And I kind of wish I'd known that in my 20s. And also, mm. if I'd learned how to sleep. Yeah. Like, I only, only recently learned Very how handy. to sleep. Yeah. Whereas, like, before, I would just, I wouldn't sleep for, like, years, you know. It'd be, <laughs> It's horrendous, you know. It's, it takes yeah. its toll, you know. I guess, I guess I didn't um, really experience the tours over 
depression because we never stopped touring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we pretty much went for 20 years, 10, 10 months a year. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I do know what you mean. And, and, um, uh, I, I think for me, the thing that we really learned f- from the Wiggles was, um, stick to your guns. You know mm. better than, um, the people who are around you who try to tell you what you should do. And, yeah. and, um, and, and and I guess it's just another way of saying, you know, be true to yourself. Do do what you, you yeah. believe in. Stick to you know, so stick to your guns. And we had people, uh, we, we we had people at the ABC saying you can't speak to children. So we, they were going to make a, a TV show with us, and we weren't allowed to speak. I mean, we, oh. we, we three of us were trained early childhood teachers. I yeah. think we knew how to speak to yeah. kids. And, and I, so, I'd wager so, yeah. So we chose not to do that TV thing. But, you know, it would have been a really great career thing to, mm-hmm. to do probably. But in the long term, I don't think it would have been because it was wrong. And um, so we stuck to our guns and said, no, no, you, you know, we know what we're talking about. And after a while, we kind of convinced people we did know what we were yeah. talking about. Because <laughs> I think, well, success breeds. Um, yeah. And you yeah, yeah. yeah. But if, if, any, you... if any band knows how to stick to their guns, it's the Wiggles. <laughs> uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, before we get into the last part of uh, the podcast, I just wanted to throw it to you guys, and if any of you guys had any questions for me or for any of our uh, distinguished guests uh, this afternoon. Uh, what's the best song in Fiddler on the Roof and why? <laughs> no, I, I kind of wanted to know... Whether for everyone, if you felt like your careers were kind of based on momentum in terms of like one thing leading to another, leading to another, um, and just kind of being carried by that throughout, or whether there were moments of kind of like doubt or times that you had to invest more energy to kind of get things happening again, um, and what it was like, what resource you kind of drew upon to do that, like what what was it in that moment that put you know made you continue as opposed to allowing that doubt to kind of push you backwards? Uh, I reckon we, we started with that momentum, like with that sort of feeling that momentum was the thing that was carrying us forward and we always needed to do the next thing and play the next venue, the bigger venue, or, or get the next song on the radio, and it was disastrous if you didn't get the next song on the radio and all that stuff. And then, yeah, we sort of worked out that it's garbage after that, you know. And really the most important thing is just doing what you've got control over, which is like writing songs, putting on shows, yeah. jamming, like getting together with your friends, you know, making music and like and that stuff and everything good sort of for us has happened from the songs, like just sort of starting off, you know, everything bad that we've done and, and when we have been racked with doubt and stuff has been when we've been trying to do some other thing, you know, or just trying to achieve some intangible sort of Sort of thing, and everything good that's happened, we've just gone back to basics and just gone, oh man, don't we actually just like each other and yeah. we enjoy this music, so let's just make that. And you know, and then from that always comes great things. I think momentum also sometimes can be a little bit like dangerous if you, uh, obviously, you know, it makes sense and it, it is true if you know, if you've got all this stuff coming out and happening people are gonna you know know who you are but I think a, a lot of artists can get stuck in I know like a lot of my friends will you know get really stressed out about not having enough momentum or not having um you know and it burns people out then you see people like great stars like Amy Winehouse and you know people that have been and that's the whole idea behind that is you know well that you know the people around them are like well we need momentum we need to keep this going and it's like well you need to keep it going, but at the end of the day, you know, it's this is 
coming from a person and, you know, these are people. And I think momentum's really important, but I think also taking care of yourself as an artist and taking care of that artist, I think is, is I, I personally think that's way more important than momentum. And I think in the long run it will, you know, they will, it will create a lot, you know, a, a, a much better product anyway. Yeah, so 100%. yeah, I yeah. definitely got stuck in thinking that momentum was, you know, and thinking if, well, if I don't record an album, if I don't have another release the next year, then like no one's going to come to my shows. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, exactly. like I haven't released music now in like in three years. So PS just about to release my album. Well, look out. But, <laughs> but I was like, you know, no one's going to come and watch me play. And it wasn't true. People still came to watch me play. So it's just like, you know, I think just mm. don't get too caught up in that whole momentum idea because I think it can be really scary sometimes. Yeah. I think what we were doing is a little bit different because um, if we stopped yeah, for three years, really. the next lot of kids wouldn't know who we were. <laughs> so so we actually did. Pr- yeah. Probably moment, momentum was probably a little bit more important yeah. for for us. But, but it, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Though. I think you can get hung up on it. And um, I don't think we ever got hung up on it, but we just kept going. I mean, we do like two or three albums a year. So mm. <laughs> the Wiggles just released their fiftieth studio album. Hey, look out! <laughs> I'm not You're on like it. King Gizzard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so good. King Gizzard and the Wiggle Wizard. Yay! There we go. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> a lot of real Venn diagram of interest coming in there. Um, were there I can see were parallels. There, yeah, yeah. Were there any other questions before we... Uh, oh, Jack? Yeah, come up, man. Hello. Hi. Hi. This is weird. Um, because I'm an early childhood teacher, so indebted to you, Murray, for sure. And the reason I play music is because I saw Frenzel Rom play at the Arias in 1999. Uh, I was, it was on TV. I wasn't out there. But, um, and then the next week... You all were on the show, What's Up, Doc? Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm a lifelong uh, fan and totally indebted to you both. Thank you so much. And Thomas, your cover of Gold by Chet Faker is huge. Thank you so much for that too. Um, I was just wondering, Jay, um, I'm, I've got a pretty keen interest in like uh, punk rock documentaries, which is the worst thing in the world, I know, to admit. But like, um, I was just wondering um, if you saw a shift when the sort of like, uh, no FX and Green Day and Pennywise and all that sort of stuff started to break overseas, and if that had any effect on Frenzel's uh, crowd drawing stuff. Oh uh, yeah, I mean we sort of found out about that stuff through the Australian stuff, I guess. Yeah. So we sort of, yeah, we were we were seeing like like the Hard Ons and the Meanies and Bored and God and Seaweed Gorillas and all these like yeah sort of bands that had been around for a few years in the late eighties and then. Um, and we sort of thought they were they were sort of gods, like they were sort of our heroes. And then it was through them that I even found out about even the Ramones. And then, and then sort of yeah, I guess onto the American stuff. And that Californian stuff came out around the same time as we were doing stuff. And I was mm. always a bit wary of it to a, to an extent. I just didn't want to like they they had this real particular sound, and um, and also like like Henry Rollins talks about it when punk rock changed from the fuck you guys to the fuck yeah guys. Yeah. And like, you know, your Blink-182s Blink came along and all of yeah. a sudden the jocks were doing punk and you're yeah. like, hang on, weren't we like all misfits? And yeah, fucking, literally. Like, yeah. yeah, like, and um, yeah, and all of a sudden like the tough guys that would bash you are doing punk and yeah. it's like, oh fuck, this is terrible, <laughs> you know. But then there was, you know, within that there were bands that were that had been going, like NoFX were around for a long time before that and yeah. um. And then you know we signed to to Fat Mike's label and stuff, so we did a lot of tours with 
with them and with all and um we actually did a tour with bleak 182 and it was fucking miserable wow like, <laughs> just for us just like it was yeah just total like we felt like we were in some sort of like the ending of a teen movie like, <laughs> some sort of teen american high school movie you know like oh that's amazing yeah, it was sort of awful but um <laughs> But yeah, I don't know if that answers your question really, but <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. I, I, I think we got it. I think we got yeah. that. All right, we'll make this one, last one, and then we'll move on to the final part of the podcast. All right. Um, I was just curious. Um, we talk a lot in these spaces about DIY culture or whatever. I was just wondering what parts of like DIY culture were inspirational to you, or if there was something important that you always had to stay in control of. Interesting. Yeah. Like, is there any aspect of, uh, I guess, you know, doing it yourself and, you know, having some kind of agency and independence that has kind of stayed through throughout what you guys do over the years? Yeah. I don't know. For me, like, I, I think we, we've always done stuff. You, you try, you try really the aim, I reckon, is to try and do as much of it possible that, that you can yourself um, to, to sort of maintain control over that. Like, me and Murray were talking about that before about the, like, Patty Smith has a great rave on, um, how like there's nothing really wrong with selling your stuff to advertising, but you just got to be really careful on who you sell it to, because you can fuck yourself up big time, you know, mm. with a few bad decisions. And like without being, the, the more that you can do yourself is always going to be better. But there's, I guess, there's going to come a point where you can't do everything yourself if yeah. you're operating at a certain level or whatever. But you still can have control over certain aspects, like I think you're saying, like. You know, definitely your, your music, your songs, where your songs are going, who, you know, who's, you know, who's sort of, what, what, who you're aligning yourself yeah. with. And yeah. We, we're actually um, pretty fiercely independent in the Wiggles because we, um, we, I mean, the ABC releases our stuff. But apart from that, even at the way our management's structured, we, um, we, we employ the management. They're not, they're yeah. not on commission. So, um uh, so we we've kept really control over everything. We own everything. We own all the TV we did. We own all the all the music, um, and uh, I think a lot of that comes out of even though you know we weren't sort of part of that late seventies punk movement. That that was kind of re- the real beginning of, of the DIY, DIY movement in in, um, in music. Yeah, was um, you know um, stiff records in in England and, and yeah. um, all those those labels and and uh, and when you could start actually recording stuff and putting it out yourself, it was really um, in the late 70s. And, and we kind of came out of that. Even the Cockroaches, their first few few records, they um, EMI used to have a pressing plant and you could go and record yeah. and then just get them to press it and they'd, they'd give you 500 copies and you'd take it to all the import stores and all the independent stores like Phantom and um, Waterfront or Waterfront were there. But, you know, White yeah. Light and all those those ones. Sure, so yeah. I guess we were, we were very influenced by that. And I think also because the Cockroaches had um, had sort of issues with record companies and management and stuff like that. Um, Anthony in particular was like really keen to for us to totally control it. And so we were really careful right from the start. And and it's also I think we crept up on we crept up on the music industry because no one really knew that there was a, a, any money yeah. to be made in until, yeah. until, until <laughs> we started doing it. And then, you know, we kind of yeah, so it was good in a way. I mean we we were fortunate that we could do it. But um but I, yeah, I think Keeping control of what you're doing is really important, and it sounds like corporate, but you know it is a brand. You are a brand mm. that that is part of what you do, and you have to protect it. Like as Jay was talking before, yep. you know, if you like the Wiggles, always avoided doing food, a lot of food stuff. We'd never do yeah. fast food or anything like that because yeah. you know parents have enough pressure on them to 
to buy crap for yeah. their kids without us. As we all know, pushing fruit salad, well. yummy, yummy. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, it, but it's true. That, yeah. That's where that comes from. And so, you know, as you say, yeah, it's all right to sell your stuff, but, um, you yeah, know, be careful here you sell it. Too. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Thel, is there, do you have any kind of insight into this? Oh, I am, yeah, I guess, you know, very much just the same as what both of you said. I think... Um, I'm, look, I'm pretty, I'm a bit of a control freak. So, um, yeah. I, you know, I do like to be, oh, I like the idea of me being the boss. Um, yeah, hell but, yeah. but again, in saying that, you know, I know when there are times that, you know, I'll get hung up on an idea or something that I'm working on or something and I'll be like, I have to do this and it has to be, you know, and then I kind of am like, all right, step back and just let someone else that actually like knows how to do this and this is the actual job, Thelma, <laughs> um, <laughs> that they know how to do, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and then in times like that, I'm like, all right, you need it. Like, all right, let's let everyone else kind of deal with this. But yeah. I think like having, I don't know, creative control is uh, the most important thing for me. I've I've not been in a position where that's ever come into question, but yeah, fuck, I don't know how that would go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, should be upset. I'd be upset. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. All right, so we will wrap it up here, but before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests, and now it is the turn for all three of you. I want to know about the best and worst shows that you have ever played in your entire life. Now, feel free to start on either or. You can do best than worst or then worst than best, whichever floats your boat. Well, we will start with you. Oh, my God. I have played a fair few of the worst shows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Everyone like, loves the low light. Yeah. They love to get into it straight away. It's just like, this show is fucked. I, I actually now can't even remember, but I know I'm going to leave and be like, that one yeah, was fucked. I wish I told everyone about that. Like, oh, yeah. Um... Oh, I don't know. There's been some really shocking ones where I've, uh, oh, just, I guess like, (laughs) just like this, I do, I talk a lot and it, I, it sometimes talk a little bit too much. So sometimes I guess on stage when I overshare things like about how I had thrush, um, (laughs) so like a lot of the time when I do that on stage, they can, uh, turn out to be pretty bad gigs because afterwards I'm like, why did you do that? They'll all think you're such a weirdo. Well, this hasn't been that bad. Yeah. No, this is nothing. No. Um, but, uh, look, I'll start with the the best one. I reckon the best one that I'm thinking of and I'm going to mix them together. So it was the best and the worst because I was at Woodford like 10,000 people there. It was very, it was very wild. It yeah, was one yeah, of the yeah, biggest yeah, yeah. shows. It was the biggest show I've ever played in my life. It was so incredible and amazing. And I love Woodford. And I remember looking at the, in the audience and seeing, this has happened a fair few times, but no one to this extent. And my music teacher in our high school, she really didn't like me. And, um, I, I don't know. I didn't know. Most of my music teachers didn't because I was really, I was very actually quite not very good at music, but was good at, I guess, singing and playing music. But my theory was absolutely terrible. Um, but this music teacher who just was thought I was, she was just, she wouldn't let me play the saxophone. She wouldn't let me. She just, you know, she really didn't like the way that I would sing and like the way that I would do things. And she would let me know that all the time whenever I do my assessments. Anyway, I remember looking out in the crowd and seeing her in the front row and just being like, this is interesting. I'm just like <laughs> loving it. So being like, being myself, I was, uh, you know, I was like, well, this, you know, next song, I just, I think it's funny when, you know, you're at a certain point in your life and then years later you see those people that really, <laughs> and then they're standing in the front row of your show. And I just was like, <laughs> fuck you. I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't do that, but I did you. stare at her and she was like, and I was like, yes, you. <laughs> 
Um, so that was the best and the worst at the same time. Amazing. Jay? Best show I've ever done in 25 years was Saturday night at the Bendigo Hotel in Collingwood. Really? Yeah, by far. It was magical. Actually, I have no truck for nostalgia, which is why <laughs> I, I think... Always I the latest up. one is the best one. Well, yeah. not necessarily, but it was a mental show. And, like, it was, like... I mean, I've, I've, yeah, like we were talking before, like you can't really ever take it for granted that people mm. are that excited about yeah, seeing your yeah, yeah, yeah. original music, you know, mm. and they're sort of strangers, you know, as much as you like to think that you're friends, they're just these people that have turned up to see your band and, and they were mental and it was one of those, those pub shows, like it's at the end of the tour, so we've, we've done all the glamorous sort of parts, we've done all the, your metros and your triffids mm. and your, you know, all that, the sort of bigger venues and now we're doing these, Sort of just packed pubs, no barrier. Everyone's completely mental, but good humoured, and yeah. Um, and the band was like, I love the band. Like I love the people in the band, and like uh, like Lindsay is completely hilarious. Yeah. And a total gun on the guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was sort of maximum level nonsense, where like he's playing. We're playing like Huey Lewis covers, <laughs> and like we're picking out. We, we've got yeah. like four hundred songs in our back catalogue of our own stuff, so. We're pulling out like someone to yell out something, and we just attempt in this like complete disaster of a song, like to get our you know at least up to the first chorus of some song, and yeah, that I reckon is when we're at sort of our peak. Yeah, you know when when it's completely just loose and yeah. you know pretty fucked up, and every, everyone's like just in a super positive vibe. Yeah, uh, worst show was at the snow. We did a snow show um, like late nineties. And everyone was so drunk that, like, I ended up, like, walking around the room giving people their money back. Oh, like, wow. <laughs> like, I just Huge. Went, to the, I went to the ATM and got a bunch of 20s and just went around just going, have it, take it, take it, <laughs> take it. But it was. It was terrible. And, like, yeah, like, anyone thinks that, like, drugs and alcohol make you better on stage. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's garbage. I've tried it all. Yeah. Look at me now. It. Yeah. That's the worst. Murray. Well, it's funny, Jay said these most recent gig, because I, I feel a bit like that, too. The, the Wiggles ones aren't really a blur, but they kind of... Um, blend into each other a bit because yeah, they, yeah, they were just all pretty great. Oh yeah, we, we we played lots of really great, and yeah, it was always fun. There was always something fun about, it. and and that the child, you know, the kid kids in the audience were um, entertained us as much as we were entertaining them. So. Yeah. So there's those. I think um, I, I have. It, and this sounds like a shameless plug, but I have a new band. <laughs> I've, I haven't played in the Wiggles since 2012. Pretty yeah. tell, what's the name? Yeah, <laughs> co- yeah. well, funny you should ask me, Jay. <laughs> I have a band called The Soul Movers. We've got an album out at the moment. But we played two weeks ago um, in Maitland at yeah. the Grand Junction. If anyone's been there, the Junkyard. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Really right? great pub. And uh, it's just like old school. It's just a pub. And um, yeah. we played in the beer garden. And we had a lot of people there. And real r- range of ages. There were little kids. There were you know, old people like my age, and um, and we just really connected with them. And and Lizzie, the singer in our band, is a really great singer. It's a kind of soul, rock and roll band, mm. and um, and she's pretty charismatic. Got a great voice, and she just really connected with the audience. And it was just one of those things. That it's kind of a bit indefinable. I can't really say why it was, but it was it was one of the first times we've played where we really connected in a big way with the audience. And I, th- I think there's no- nothing better than that. 
Um, and then the worst one probably isn't a Wiggles one either, but it was I, it, probably one of my early band that transistor gigs where we were pretty terrible. Yeah. But I can't think of anything specific other than um, I remembered we did play, there used to be this club in William Street called the Rock Garden. The Rock Garden was just a, a dump. It was just um, right. It was just a concrete bunker and the toilets were disgusting. And, yeah. and we played there on a Wednesday night. They in those days there were gigs every night but Wednesday night and um, there was one person in the audience oh, <laughs> and, and I think we just you know now if there was one person in the audience we, like yeah. bands I play with would still just yeah. Yeah, do, do the show but yeah. um, then we were just like we just didn't care yeah. But, um, yeah I think that the rule is if there's more people on stage than in the audience you probably shouldn't do the gig yeah <laughs> <laughs> Lucky there was like 20 plus people on stage at any given time for the Wiggles, you know. It's just like, I think we're okay. I think, what's that, 20,000 people out there? I, I, I think we're Yeah, we're usually all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, could you please thank our guests, Thelma Plum, Jay Wally, and Murray Cook. Keep that applause going for the Red Rattler. Thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it. A massive thank you to Shannon for doing sound. And to Nathan for doing the door and for helping out today. Really appreciate it. Thank you all so, so, so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Barbounce. Thank you so much. Yeah.